0: Welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Happy Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an all new episode of the Full Court Press podcast. As you know, it's the Matt Prince himself, Prince A Lawall, joined by the CEO of Full Court Press, Brooklyn Bari, as well as one of the consistent, consistent contributors to all of SSAW, and not just Folk or Press, but also the co-host of Reformed Hooligans, we have Brian Lewis. Gentlemen, how was your weekend? You know, happy Black History Month. It's, it's well, at the time of this recording, we are ending. By the time everybody listens, we're in March. I hope everybody's been well. How are you guys today? Uh, we
1: good. Doing great. Can't complain. Bet, love that. So
0: we didn't drop an episode last Thursday. My apologies for that. Or last Friday, my apologies for that. However, there has been a lot to discuss. So we're just going to jump right into it with some breaking news. I do like the fact that we talk about breaking news in the in the beginning. It's, it, feels, it feels so so professional, um, if you don't mind me saying. First and foremost, Michael Porter Jr. may return. Dun dun dun. <laughs> oh my goodness. How do we feel about MPJ returning? You know, he showed us flashes and showed us what he could be before mm-hmm. he went down with injury. And Denver hasn't been as consistently um, up top as we expect them to. They've they've had to fight for their seeding. But now that we're in the second half of the season, can MPJ help uh, lead Denver to a top three seed?
1: Denver's in a situation this year where they can pretty much use any help they can get. Um, recently that's come in the form of of the Marcus Cousins you know having pretty good games or a pretty good game last game I don't think they'd say no to taking MPJ back they're they're not like that deep to the point where they can just look off the fact that he may be able to return obviously Joker has been maintaining MVP level play for pretty much the duration of this year without his co-star his co- you know, rider on this team, Jamal Murray. And to lose MPJ and still maintain that level of of dominance has been impressive. So I say MPJ definitely helps if if he's cleared to play basketball and he looks good enough to play, he helps Denver. He helps their death situation. Um definitely gives them more shooting. He's a versatile guy for being, you know, 6'10. But, you know, you you have concerns with him and, and his return because He has a a long history of back issues, and and this is even before getting drafted. He was only limited to, to what, three games when he was playing with Missouri because he had to to have a back surgery. And then he had a second back surgery following the NBA draft, which, you know, sidelined him for his entire rookie year. I believe he had one. um, I don't know how major it may have been, but I believe he had one in December also. Riff, right now, the Nuggets are sitting in the sixth position. I don't know. It's hard to say they can make a push because the teams above them are doing so well. When you look at the teams above them, you're looking at Memphis. You're looking at um, Utah. And Utah had a little bit of a slide, but they got Donovan Mitchell back. They got Rudy Gobert back. And I think pretty much the worst, aside from losing Joe Ingles for the season, the worst of what they had to deal with is, is... is in the rare view yeah so and, and
0: to, sorry to interrupt barry mm-hmm. but um nuggets are six like you said they are 13 games out of first and the grizzlies like you mentioned are third and they're seven and a half games out of fir- out of first so there's about a five and a half yeah five and a half game difference between six and third right now well between six, fifth, and third all um, right so yeah like you mentioned it, it it probably could be that a lot of things would have to go right a lot of things have to
2: go right there. Yeah. I mean but fourth continue. is still attainable. I think I mean Yeah, Fourth, fourth is ten and a half.
0: Right?
1: Jazz are ten and a half games
0: back at fourth. So fourth is very attainable. So a yeah, mm-hmm. top five
2: is top five is but definitely in their sights.
0: Top three definitely. Well, means I don't that think playing Phoenix
2: phase them. I don't think de- if I'm Denver, I'm not phased about playing Phoenix in the second round. I think they can handle a seven-game series of Phoenix. Well, I don't think well, they're. I don't think they're completely. Back. In the circumstances,
1: that that bad. in the circumstances that MPJ does try to make a return in in a month or a couple of weeks, and obviously Jamal Murray got injured last year January, so he should be returning. I think they're expecting him to come back before the playoffs begin, to you know give it a go. So I don't think they should necessarily be scared of Phoenix. And Phoenix is, you know, obviously we know Chris Paul is going to be out for a few weeks. So we don't know how many games they drop or or, or what happens in their situation. Um, it, it's definitely I think Denver shouldn't be afraid of of any team. Their weakness, in my opinion, in in that conference was is a team that's no longer relevant in the Lakers. Um, the amount of bigs they were able to tell on or put on, sorry joker in, in different forms. Um, versatile bigs that were able to defend him on the perimeter and inside. Every team doesn't have that. Every team doesn't have Rudy Gobert trying his best on, on a joker. So, um, I, I like Denver's That's chances. A possible
2: of, first round matchup is a oh,
1: definitely. Definitely. I like, I like Denver's chances and, um, I'm not gonna put them anywhere. I, I can't, you know, say exactly because we have so much guys returning back from injury. But the guys they've had playing all year in in Will Barton, um, some of these like I said I mentioned Boogie, some of these other players like Compazzo and and Gordon they they've been you know stepping up not necessarily filling the void of the players they they're missing but they've been stepping up and playing excellent team basketball this year.
0: Okay, so I I pose this: if playoffs were to start today, if playoffs were to start today, it would be Denver at Memphis, MPJ is back. That's box office. Who wins that? Who wins that series?
2: Oh man! You I said MPJ back.
0: If, if 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 with MPJ coming back, let's say he's back and the seedings don't change that much, if if the playoffs were to start today, it'd be Denver versus Grizzlies first round. Who wins?
2: I would say I, Memphis in six, confidently.
1: I I agree with Brian in saying Memphis in six. Um, for. Denver to beat this version of Memphis they'd need Jamal Murray and not just like contributing Jamal Murray they'd need a a a star Jamal Murray to show up like
2: playoffs a couple years ago
1: exactly and and Memphis has a lot of different kinds of bigs they can try to put on Joker so you can obviously you stick with Adams on him in the beginning if Joker's shot is hitting you have younger versatile bigs that can you know get on the perimeter and Attempt to, to to you know, mesh that. So I think it's just better matchups in Memphis's favor, and obviously the momentum and the identity that they've managed to build this year. I'd say I definitely say Memphis in six. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened to be seven, but I'd
2: say Memphis in six. Uh, I think if he's playing, I said on the page, if he plays ten to fifteen minutes a night, up until like late March at this point, give it about a month and see where he's at and bring them along slowly. I mean, it's not like Aaron Gordon isn't out there contributing night in and night out. It's not like Monte Morris hasn't been fire since Jamal Murray's been out. So, I mean, they've had guys that have been stepping up, like Jabari mentioned. And the thing is, Denver can take their time. I mean, there have been examples of lower seeds that have had success in the playoffs because they were able to get healthy at the right time. The last relevant example, Abe, as we know, would be the 2012 Celtics where they were the five seed and they went all the way to the Eastern conference finals and they took the heat to the break. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, LeBron had that, you know, game six and game seven that, you know, blew people's minds. But I mean, other than that, you know, that was, that was a hell of a run. That team was once a seven seed by the all-star break. I think at one point with, with KG out and Rondo was out too. So it's just, you got to get guys at the right time, bring them in slowly, you know, make a couple deadline moves, which, you know, I think Denver bringing in Boogie uh, is, is huge. Obviously, they've had real success with him on the court as kind of a spell for Jokic. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even then, bringing in Porter Jr. and then bringing along Murray slowly, too. Murray bringing him for 20 minutes a night. They don't have to, you know, bring them back and and have them playing, like, you know, superstar limits. But, I mean, that's the thing. These guys are long-term assets, too. Denver has to think about not just this year, but the future also. hmm as good as as good a chance as it could be, because they could pull a Toronto. That's how really close they are for Denver. Like one one good stretch could turn into a miracle thing. I and mean, look at what Phoenix did last year. I mean, they yeah. got to the finals. Nobody saw that coming.
0: That's facts. That's motherfucking facts.
2: That's that's absolutely <laughs> that true. Oh, at least the Lakers fan, that sucks. <laughs> but it was mean... like Osahan featured on the episode there, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean just just to
0: I will I will give this um ton of praise to Phoenix and also to Chris Paul because this clearly does not happen without Chris Paul's leadership, professionalism and just IQ. I mean, you we saw how Phoenix was prior to Chris Paul arriving. It was like, hey, they got they got Devin Booker, Baller, he can shoot lights out. They have Ayton who has a promising future, but I mean, that's as far as the, the Suns can go. Then you bring in Chris Paul, get to the finals. Now you're in first place. There's six games ahead of Golden State at the moment in the Western Conference. And we do have... Which about,
2: is wild, by the way. Yeah,
0: and we do have about 20 games left of the season. So, um, yeah, yeah. Staying in the West, though, <sighs> we have to talk about this team. We have to. Um, mainly just because and look, here's the thing. Uh, look, haters will say, oh, y'all, we live in rent free. We live in rent free. Y'all can't get off our dip. This that, and other. It's like, look, we talk basketball, right? It's hard not to it. It's hard not to mention this team. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you are the you, you are one of the top two historic franchises in the le- in the all in all NBA history. Not only that, you have an arguable top three, definitely top five greatest player of all time. I mean, that I know that right there is is contention of heated debate, but I said what I said. Look, the Lakers have lost nine of their last 12 games. They went into New Orleans the other day and got beaten by 28 points to the Pelicans. They've been booed. They've been ridiculed. We know Russell Westbrook continues to get flack, and it's just a matter of, yo, Lakers are currently ninth seed. There are twenty games left. They have ten road games in March. Is there any sense of optimism for Lakers fans, or is this just like, yo, you know, we just ride out the season. We go. We gonna do what we can. If we good things happen, cool. But we got to reset, focus on off-season and how to get this team better because this is not the Lakers team that we're supposed to be receiving, giving the names on this roster. Now, remember twilight of Kobe's years, um, rest in peace to to one of the greatest, when you had like Jordan Clarkson, um, uh, Robert Sacre, you know, all them, all them cats, it made sense why they were struggling. Kobe couldn't carry all of them. But this is a team where you look at these players and you're like, yo, they're on most people's top 20. Westbrook might have dropped a lot lower, but at least yeah. AD, LeBron, easily in people's top 15, top 10 when it comes to AD, easily top 10, top 5 when it comes to LeBron, right? This They're, they're playing damn near as bad as, as the Robert Sacre, you know, LA teams. Is there any hope for these guys? Is there any hope for these guys?
1: Brian, take no. hope, hope in terms. No. Of, oh, you said Brian. I'm sorry.
0: No, 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 no. It's hilarious that simultaneously was like, nope, <laughs> nope. No. All right, fans, you heard it. Nope. We're gonna move on because you know what? <laughs> I know how Lakers fans can get. I know how certain Lakers fans can get.
2: They only have five games against tanking teams, not losing teams, but tanking teams. There's a difference. So teams like the Thunder, teams like the Wizards, etc. They only have five games against those teams. So you're telling me that where the Lakers gonna get on to like a, a eight out of ten stretch like the Celtics did in January? Where the are the Lakers gonna be able to pull that off? No. No, they don't. They, they haven't shown that all season. So what's the uh, what's the hope of trying to beg for it now? I mean, even the buyout market's not gonna be active, and even then the Lakers don't really have any optimism to bring anybody in. So as far as I'm concerned, just go to June and all of a sudden Anthony Davis to Chicago is gonna be heating up.
0: Chicago really does need
2: AD. <laughs> it's crazy that
0: we can confidently—I can—I confidently say that right now, Chicago does not need AD. Not even this, if it's like, oh, "Okay, make them better." I
1: wouldn't. AD I wouldn't be Canada looking towards sure. you know bringing AD into Chicago at Hell this no. point. Once upon a time, yes, but at this point, they've figured out different ways to make their team successful. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't even look at that option. Um, probably unless it's for free and a discount. But <laughs> just a quick correction to what Abe said, because um, they didn't even go to New Orleans. Um, this was a home game, and and LeBron, Ariza, Dwight, just to name the ones that were you know visible that you could see, they were going back and forth with, with, with fans because fans are disappointed in this team, disappointed in the effort that they're seeing on the floor. Um, this team's losing to to teams that teams that are on the bottom of, of, of the league pretty much. And it's come to a point where you have LeBron turn around asking fans how much they know about basketball or Trevor Ariza, you know, threatening people <laughs> because they're angry at what's being said. And I get it. These guys are humans. They have feelings and all that, but, but they're the product. They're, they're the reason why people have, you know, things to complain about. Um, along with obviously Frank Vogel but these guys are out there playing and and they're playing lifeless basketball um I think Richard Jefferson summed it up perfectly when he said the Lakers need to find some energy to just be respectful to the game of basketball because it's 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 that apparent that they have no interest in in respecting the game and 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 showing even when they they're down or even when they feel like this person's not doing this this person's not doing that they're they're not all coming in to work right now and that's sad especially from an organization that started this year with championship aspirations it's it's just a sad thing it's 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 different when you look at lakers basketball because at a point my team lost 10 straight we had an issue with one player quitting and us just not having the the proper roster to to offset that with us also dealing with injuries of other players, but the Lakers, you know, outside of AD coming in and out of the lineup, they've been healthy. They've had their guys that, that they didn't have in the beginning of the year. They had them return with the exception of AD. They've pretty much been healthy. So um, I don't know, just to, just to move off of this, this, this topic, the Lakers, I don't really have much faith in them. And at the very best, I see them as a playing team at this point um whatever See, because that can be anywhere from seven to what ten but i definitely see them as a playing team at this point
0: well the dallas, either way they play the clippers
1: and then golden state that's that's their next three games this week that, and that's a problem because these are three teams that are playing with with intensity they're playing yeah. for something we mm-hmm. saw dallas go down however much they went down against golden state last night we're not going to talk about that too much today but Dallas had, a, what, an 18-point comeback last night? 21-point um, comeback. 21-point comeback and outscored yeah. these guys, like, 14 field goals or or 13 field goals to, to Golden State's, like, one in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas is playing with an intensity, especially after this trade. Dinwiddie's coming off of probably his best game of the season, and I've been mm-hmm. a big critic of Dinwiddie this year because I've been a big fan of him otherwise, you know, before this year.
2: But the he's Clippers coming off his – no- and the and Clippers the, are contending. I mean, they got a nice, scrappy group of guys. Too. Yeah, scrappy Clippers, Clippers as hell. are a,
0: So they're going to have to see the
1: Lakers most likely again for that play-in tournament. If, if things don't... If, 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 things, up, yeah, if, if, things, if things remain this way. Yeah. But they're playing a Clippers team that beat them. I don't know how many times this year, if it's twice. I don't even know. Yeah, But but hmm. the Clippers are scrappy... Um, they know they're missing Paul George, they know they're missing Kawhi, they're used to it at this point. Everybody that shows up to play wants to win games. So they're not a tanking team, regardless of their injuries. Um, and the Lakers haven't been prepared to match that intensity this year. And then you said after that is what Golden State? Come on. Golden State on yep. Saturday. Come uh, on. on. Like yeah. you don't you, you don't show up to play Golden State any form of half ass, or you're just getting blown out the building, regardless of what happened last night. And and Golden State's expected to get Draymond. Back soon i don't know how soon but pretty soon so this is not a good look for the lakers and we've been saying this since this podcast came back the rest of the schedule for the lakers is difficult and they need to get it together and so far they have not (laughs) y'all heard us
0: speak on the lakers y'all heard us speak on mpj let's travel from the west coast back to the east coast and we are going to there's there's some things here that we can we can really sit down and discuss. But the first thing we're gonna look at is former NBA, I'm gonna say a former NBA fan favorite, Tyreek Evans, has been meeting with the Milwaukee Bucks. We we all know Tyreek was that dude, you know, he was he was this prototypical like guard. <sighs> both forward type player who who had the length, the speed, the size, the handles, the skill set to really just plug plug be plugged in anywhere. The issue that we ran into was mainly injury, but also if correct me if I'm wrong. In this case, he is just off of suspension um, from uh, su- violating the substance abuse policy, uh, which I don't know if really what what substance it was. But he's a eligible. Two year ban, yeah, it was a two-year ban. So he's been away from the game for two years. But prior to that, you know, injury was has always been a, a constant companion of Tyreek Evans. That being said, he's off his two-year ban and he still wants to play. Meeting with the Bucks. Gentlemen, how do we feel about this? Do we feel that Tyreek has a chance? Do we what teams do we think he should uh be considered for? And do you think that he can provide such a, a impactful twenty-plus games um, when he does,
1: if he does, return to the league? I feel like he should be his. He has no leverage in the situation. He's been gone from the game since twenty nineteen, as mentioned. So any teams that's interested in his skill set, he should be, I guess, appreciative about. You know, with with Milwaukee specifically. He's getting a workout because Milwaukee, their their depth is pretty thin. Um, with with the Pat Connaughton injury, with trading Difencenzo, striking out on on Goran Dragic because we have a we've had a pretty thin um, buyout market. Struck out on Goran Dragic. They desperately needed um, a backup playmaker in a sense. They 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 signed Javon Carter um, after he was released by by Brooklyn also signed Bembry, but these aren't guys that you can really rely on too, too much, especially in in the form of playmaking. So a thing about Tyreek, Tyreek Evans, sorry, is even though he's what, six foot six, he's, he's a point forward point guard, however you want to look at him. Um, um, he was a, a decent distributor, um, averaging what a career, like I want to say like four or five assists. He had a great rookie campaign with Sacramento and then bounced around the league, eventually making his way back to Sacramento. Um, it's hard to call to say if Milwaukee or or other teams should be interested in him. But as of what I know right now, they're just giving him workouts. They're just giving him tryouts. Um, it's hard to assess the situation when he's 32 years old now and has been gone from the game for <laughs> Two to three years at the end of the twenty nineteen season. So yeah, two years, a whole pandemic has happened since then. Um, so we just have to see what what he brings to these workouts, and if if Milwaukee ends up interested in him, or other teams end up interested in him, I think that means maybe he's in shape, and maybe he's showing you know something that that these teams can use. Because like I said, there it, it hasn't been a big buyout market. Um, the trade deadline passed, and it wasn't a lot of transactions that that occurred this year. So teams are trying to bolster up their rosters any way they can.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with Jabari in a way. But I, I the thing is, uh, as a Tyre- as someone that watched Tyreek Evans' rookie year at Memphis, and actually his freshman year at Memphis and his rookie year at Sacramento, he was rookie of the year, obviously. I, I, I just think for Tyreek, it's just... Those injuries did set him back. Now, if we go through year by year, even when he was in New Orleans, he was super productive, playing almost 30 minutes a night plus. He was in Memphis uh, in 2017-18. I think they were still kind of a playoff contender there with uh, – because he kind of replaced Tony yeah, Allen. He was in great way, in Memphis. Yeah, that was a good role for him, and that was right after Rudy Gay had, had left too. So, I mean, he's, he kind of took over that scoring role that uh, Rudy Gay had, but also the defensive duties. That someone like a Tony Allen had. So, I mean, his versatility is huge. Uh, I think he was at Indiana too. So, I mean, it's just, he's been at a few different places and contributed, but I think even as like a rotation piece, even as a seventh eighth, or even ninth guy on the bench, can I, do I think Tyreek Evans could play t- 12 to 15 minutes a night on a playoff team? in if he's in shape right now, absolutely. I, I don't even think there's a doubt in my mind. I think for a team like Milwaukee, that's, that's a no brainer. Um, Almost a- any team in the East outside of maybe Milwaukee, outside of maybe Miami should be going after them because they have enough wings. Everybody else pretty much, like, could use an extra one. That's for sure.
0: Is Celtics consider?
2: Well, with Richardson out, I mean, after that performance without Al Horford playing and Grant Williams playing 34 minutes a night, I, I-, I don't know. I-, I, think- I think losing Josh Richardson, it hurt them a little bit the other night.
1: Look what That's the Celtics were were able to get out of Javari Parker in very limited minutes last year. Um mm-hmm. towards the end of the year going into the playoffs. So True. if there's anything you can get out of Tyreek Evans, I I'd I'd try it. You know, I, would, I, would. I would like that.
0: You can you imagine uh I mean it'd be a small, small lineup though. You probably have to put Tatum at the five, but you could go smart at well,
2: the box. Smart
1: Derek. Well, I, I think he definitely feels what more of a need with real? Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, he definitely feels mm-hmm. more of a need. I'm just I'm just fantasizing as a Celtics fan. What yeah. it, what it would look like.
1: Cause I
0: mean smart
2: Evans, Brown, Tatum and Williams. Yeah. Oh, that'd
0: be a better that'd be a fine ass. That's a that, now, you have, D- now you have defensively four guys that can literally
2: handle defensively?
0: Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Especially depending on what version of Tyreek we get if we can get like a, a decent to you know somewhat normal you know regular version. That, that, that's a very exciting, (laughs) you can even swap, you can swap smart out with Derek White too, it it really, 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 oh, hey, yo, Brad Stevens, check him out, I mean, (laughs) because clearly you're not looking at Isaiah Thomas anyway, who would be, (laughs) he can give us 20 easily off the bench for sure, especially playing with them guys, we should bring him back. I I mean,
2: Tyreek would probably start for the Lakers right now.
0: Oh, Lord have
2: mercy. (laughs) Look.
0: Look, here's Sorry, the thing, Lakers don't need to do it because if they do it and it doesn't work out, it just they just end up looking more foolish. So that's not a risk they should even be focused on. But that being said, <laughs> I know Bari, I know you happy as hell. So you were happy getting James, you know, finally off the team with all the with all the just drama and question marks. You're you're has not hesitant, but you're waiting on the Ben Simmons to see how it plays out because we can talk about these two together. Who is currently dealing with some back tightness, so he's not ready. But one of the uh, a player that will end up most likely top five, if not top ten, greatest player of all time, Kevin Durant's coming back this
1: week for Brooklyn.
0: How you? How you feeling about that, Bari? How you
1: feeling? I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic to to have the return of KD. Um. <laughs> it's been a while it's only been since what the middle of January but it's it's felt like forever with the losing streak that we were on before um, before the trade ended up happening and KD pretty much gets things back into a certain rhythm because he's the nucleus of this of this Brooklyn team in my opinion he's he's what we try to we try to set him up to to put us in in a level to succeed and to win games against not just any team but against contenders. So to get KD back with um we don't really have a date on it. Nash Nash said that he doesn't expect KD to return in any of these two back-to-back Toronto games. But Bruce Brown is also quoted as saying KD doesn't even look like he was ever injured. So <laughs> Um, I think if not the second Toronto game, we'll see KD back maybe the game after. We're you know, ESPN everyone's expecting him back this week sometime. So definitely ecstatic to to have him back and for him to eventually build chemistry with Simmons whenever, you know, whenever we get him. Well, I guess we'll talk about that soon, but um yeah, this is definitely a great thing.
0: Well, I mean, speak on the speak on the Simmons and John as well. I mean, the the next few well, moments are going to definitely well, with, be based with, on with, Brooklyn
1: with the Simmons situation. We don't really have too too much news. Um, he pretty much was was getting back into to game rhythm, getting back into game shape, and in the process of doing that, he's been having a little bit of back tightness, back soreness, something along the lines of that is what they're reporting. Um, it's not an actual injury or anything like that. I think it's probably um along the lines of what you would expect from someone as tall as he is who hasn't been active as much as he's used to being active he's pretty much just been sitting around in philly not doing much and then as he got to brooklyn he just ramped up um i guess running and 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 regular everything that doesn't have to do with actual team practices because he's been at every practice since he's been a net he just hasn't partaken in you know five on fives or any kind of team practice yet and like I said, that doesn't have anything to do with injury. It's just um, like like they would say the term they like to use is ramping up, and that led to I guess back tightness, back soreness, and stuff like that. So we do expect we're hoping to to see to see Ben Simmons back. Um, definitely before or after the Philly game. Definitely not gonna be the he's not gonna come back during the Philly game. It's gonna be before that or after that. But my main priority is getting him back at least uh, 10 to eight games before playoffs so we have enough time to build chemistry with Simmons and our guys because if he's going to be our primary playmaker along with Kyrie, we we definitely need him to be on the same page as as the players that we have, as our scorers, as you know, playing alongside Kyrie, so as Kyrie, as KD, et cetera. I don't think it's too hard to realize where KD likes the ball or how to pass KD the ball, but. How to play with other playmakers and and other shooters is where you know he has to get rhythm down. So I I'd, I'd definitely love to see him back with a few games to go. But um, just to circle back to the KD situation, you know, with our seeding situation, KD is vital, very very vital to to us having um, a decent postseason and and to us not being a playing team when all when this is all said and done because. That's what we are right now, Um, unfortunately, due to all the losing that we did in January and February. So definitely excited for Katie coming back, for Simmons to be joining the team. And, yeah, as far as Nets goes,
2: yeah, that's it. But what about you, Brian? I think think it's kind of crazy. I mean, this year it's been tough. So, like, you have teams like the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Nets, teams that we thought were – if not contenders, near contenders. And they kind of slipped because Cleveland and Chicago just, you know, just stormed like a stampede, you know, this season. It just seemed like everything kind of worked out for the Levine, Vucevic, the Rosen combo. The Heat have been healthy most of the season. And even when they haven't been, other players have stepped up. So even when Bam's out, they have other guys. Even when, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler was out, they have, you know, other guys stepping up. So even then. That's what's that's what's been keeping them going. But I think you're starting to you notice now is like down the stretch is teams gotta look at the possible playoff matchups. Just like we talked about with Denver and in, in, in the Western Conference, the Nets are kind of that similar kind of team because as as I said, as Jamari said, I mean, when you have Kyrie and KD, those guys are gonna get their own. And never mind the fact that even though the Nets weren't on the record, did not look good. I'll tell you, Cam Thomas, like, uh, you know, uh, I'm liking that potentially down the road. So, I mean, these are guys in the playoffs, at least the Nets know they can get something out of them, too. So, I mean, again, a team like Miami that's known for playoff wonders, a team like Chicago that's inexperienced in the playoffs as as a group and have a lot and haven't been there in a while. Uh, Let's see what else in the Eastern Conference, a 76ers team, which we'll talk about shortly, and a Cleveland team that's inexperienced in the playoffs with this group. So, I mean, even with the Bucs and the Celtics, their playoff experience might be, you know, that's going to be a gritty battle. But, I mean, with the Nets, like, you're playing any of those top four teams right now, I'm not worried. Like, the same thing with Denver. I'm not worried. Especially from a Nets point of view. Like, that's just, that's that's that. You know, like, I, I don't think the Nets would have to go to a game seven against Miami or Cleveland. But I also think maybe the 76ers could challenge them. But that's, like, depending on, like, as I said with Philly, what we'll talk about in a second. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll save the Philly talk. But, I mean, even then, I, I don't know, Jabari. I think the Nets just have to get into, like, a 20-game stretch and, and see where that 20-game stretch takes. I'm heading into April or even late April or mid-April by then.
0: Feel that wholeheartedly. Feel that wholeheartedly. Um, basically, everything that's been said needed to be said. KD coming back is going to be great. Uh, Ben Simmons dealing with, you know, just ain't no rush. Take your time. You you got him for a reason. Uh, You don't need him being damaged and whatnot. Um, But like I said, we're going to stay in Brooklyn. Well, in New York for a little bit. Mandates are looking to be made lax. However, uncertainty remains when it comes to whether Kyrie can play or not. Gentlemen, can you can you Barry? Can you break that down further for us?
1: So pretty much, um, mandates are eventually going to be removed. But as far as the short term goes, I'm sorry. As far as the short term goes, the wording isn't isn't exactly there because the NYC mayor, I think earlier today or or last night was saying that um I believe private sectors wouldn't immediately be affected by this change which if 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 the Nets and their situation falls under that Kyrie wouldn't you know be allowed to to return back to playing in the Barclays Center until everything's fully um out of effect uh as of right now, he'd be allowed to enter the Barclays Center, you know, be on the bench. He would, you know, he's been allowed to to practice with the team and train with the team. Um, pretty much do everything, breathe in the Barclays Center, do everything in the Barclays Center, except for dribble a basketball and, and attempt to put a basketball in a, in a, in a hoop or pass it to his teammates. I'm sorry. Um, it's getting a little out of hand. It's, it's a little ridiculous. Eric Adams said that they can't really tailor rules or changing rules to a Kyrie Irving, which, you know, and, you know, when you're reading that statement, just in a general kind of thing, it makes sense. But this isn't something that's only affected Kyrie Irving, just on a basketball level, it's, it, he's the only one that's been affected. But there's been other NYC workers from sanitation, as I've said in previous episodes, health care workers um, that, that have been affected by these rules that have been pressing for it to be changed or or dismissed for a long time. It's it's not just a Kyrie Irving issue, it's, it only becomes a Kyrie Irving issue when we talk about basketball. And I guess Eric Adams has been feeling the pressure lately because of all of these outlets, um, people changing their minds, uh steven a i saw him this morning pressing for eric adams to make sense of it and 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 i i think he's just feeling the the repercussions of of people not understanding the the sense and and what's going on and what's been happening um so it, it's a it's a good and bad thing if you're a nets fan at least it's a good and bad thing we know we're taking steps Towards Kyrie playing in the Barclays Center, but there was a point last week where everyone thought that that may be sooner than later—a week, two weeks. Now we're learning; um, it may be, it may take a little longer than that due to all the intricate wordings of of the law and, like I said, the private sector and all that, which Brian may be be may be able to elaborate on more than I can because he he knows stuff like that. So I'll I'll hand it off to Brian, but we're not going to see Kyrie Irving um anytime soon there's 20 games maybe i think 20 21 games left for Brooklyn to play if he right. does come back
2: for home
1: games it'll be towards the end of the season
2: i mean it's it, it's something i i call politics from you know a numerous uh, a numerous view and i'll be honest i think um well, the mandates at some big cities like Boston and New York City have been very similar, right? And obviously, both Boston and New York City, ironically, both had mayor elections this year. Uh, you know, landmark victories for both Michelle Wu and Eric Adams. Congratulations to both of them, of course, in their victories. Um, because both are new mayors and both are in very tough positions because of protocols in place from the pandemic before they took office. So, I mean, they're facing a lot of pressure. So you can't really make an exception for an athlete. But at the same time, a lot of these mandates are going to be lifted over time. I know some school districts in the Massachusetts area lifted masks for kids to go to school. So I think it's only a matter of time before Kyrie gets on the court with no, you know, I guess no no chains stuck to him, I guess. Like on like they can't just make him sit down. They can't make him stay at home. Obviously, it'd be not, he's been in shape and he's played well when he's played. So it's not like he's not like in game shape. So that's not a concern, and once what Simmons gets out there, you guys are fine. It's just eventually the 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 bureaucracy has to solve itself, and that takes a long time. I mean, think about this: the flu the flu pandemic uh, epidemic 100 years ago lasted four years, and the pandemic's already on year three. So if anything similar, we're almost near the end of the. Uh, uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Well, gentlemen.
0: That's really all that needs to be said. We, we're just in a wait-and-see game, but I am looking forward to when at least Brooklyn can have all their weapons back and we can finally see, hopefully see, what <laughs> what they're supposed to... Well, hopefully we see if they're as advertised. You feel me? Uh, that being said, we are going to head over to uh, the next state. You know, we... <laughs> former... The former lover of the Brooklyn Nets, James Harden. He has left Brooklyn to go be in the city of brotherly love, Philly. And um, he's played two games so far. And (laughs) (laughs) gentlemen, the amount of free throws already taken between who are arguably two of the top three uh, uh, free throw attempt people per game, you know, whatever stat that is, but they definitely get to the free throw lines a lot, you know, for various Mm -hmm, reasons. mm -hmm. They definitely know how to draw their fouls, and I've always given credit to Embiid for that, working on footwork and whatnot. Sometimes it's annoying. As Celtics fans, we know Brian. It's Daniel Theis versus Joel Embiid. Daniel would just breathe Mm -hmm. on him. and be end up being a
2: foul. (laughs) It'd be annoying. But like the Land Stevenson whistle below in the year. Yeah, would be a yeah. So
0: they have they've had some really good wins um, in those last two games, but Barry Brian, break down what you saw, um, what you can extrapolate from a very small sample size, and um, overall, just just your opinions regarding Harden and
2: Philly so far. I just want to say something with James Harden over the course of his career. Um, he's always found a way to play with other good guards. He's been blessed to play with other guys in the backcourt that are mm-hmm. very talented. Now over the years he's gotten to play with guys like uh what, Russell Westbrook. I don't know if he played with Kyle Lowry in Houston. I don't think he did. I think Lowry was already out the door by then. But obviously with Chris Paul, uh and and and, and you know, never mind with Kyrie Irving and his short time in Brooklyn. And now, of course, you know, in Philly. Don't forget Lynn I, Sanity. And Linsanity as well. That's true, too. He's a guy that can definitely put the ball on the ball. Bu- Eric Gordon, uh, who had definitely has scoring ability. Tyrese Maxey is going to put play- I-, I figured right away that Tyrese Maxey, if Philly kept him, would play excellent with James Harden. And that's why if I were Brooklyn, I would have been like pounding the table to get Maxey back in that deal. But at the same time, those two really work well together. Um, Joe and Bede. Has been my my MVP favorite since about Christmas time, and I'm still feeling really really good about that. Um, however, I'm a little worried about two guys on the Philadelphia roster right now, the way it works out, and that's Joel Embiid. I'm not not Joel Embiid. It's more Tobias Harris, and I'm so I'm a little worried about Ty Bolt on the long run too, because even though he's long his limited offensive game could make him kind of expendable because a guy like Harris, his contract is a little bit absurd and he has value as a wing. So if they were to trade Harris to like a wing for wing kind of trade, if you will, like if they kind of just went for a different type of forward, like for example, if they, if they traded Tobias Harris to say in Atlanta, now I know I, I propose Atlanta a lot because Atlanta has a lot of players that I happen to like as a skill set, but some of the players don't fit with the guys they have. So that's why Atlanta is where they're at right now. But if you were to look at Atlanta and put Daniil Gallinari, someone of his skill set, and put him in Philly with that roster, someone like Harden, Maxey, Embiid, et cetera, it might work out better. Even though on paper, you know, Tobias Harris is definitely the better player. So I think for Philly, going into the offseason, obviously they have a good run, but I've never felt really fully comfortable with Harris there. And I know, like, Philly fans might go back and forth on it. They may like Tobias. Tobias seems like a nice dude and all that, not, not hate at all. But the dude is a volume shooter. He's a volume scorer on a team where he's now the third option. And he's not necessarily a great defender. And he's not the most creative player on the planet either. Like, I mean, he's basically what Aaron Gordon was in Orlando. Just kind of like, yeah, like, that's what he is as the primary player. And unlike Aaron Gordon in Denver, where his defense has shown out and his, distrib- his distribution skills have improved in Denver, Harris hasn't made that same projection. Like, it's just, he's not the same quality player. He's still the same player he was at Tennessee, where he could put the ball in the bucket anywhere in the mid-range. But if you ask him to do any more than that, it's a little bit limited. And I think that's where Philly's at right now. And with his massive contract, that's going to be tough to move around uh, in the offseason. But, and Tybalt as well, because Harris, just because of that contract, you can't play him the way that you want to. So that's really it. But, I mean, other than that, Philly's got, Philly can be a first-round exit. Philly can be a conference finals contender. Like, along with, like, six or seven other teams in the Eastern Conference right now because there's no clear-cut number-one team. But that game against the Knicks proved what Philly are capable of at their best. It's just these are the things potentially that are a little bit worrisome for Philly.
1: Playing his first two games in Philly, we know the first one was against Minnesota, which is more of a – That was a I'd good say,
2: challenge for him with those guards.
1: It's a good challenge, but I see that more as a as a – Embiid matchup. Um, Minnesota guards show up when they show up, and they definitely didn't show up that night. Um, but but as far as Harding goes, since he's been a Sixer, his shooting, his shooting has, you know, in, in the first two games, what 57% in the first one, 58 And the I'm sorry, 57 against the Knicks, 58 against Minnesota, um, shooting what probably 50 something percent overall from three since he's been right. a sixer also. He posted a triple double against the Knicks, 29, 16 assists, 10 rebounds, only three turnovers and five steals, which was um, I think that was the most glaring thing to me in that Knicks game. Not really much of a competition when you look at it, when you look at the Knicks um, level of intensity in the game, as well as the Minnesota game, too. But I think Harden has shown up in Philly with the mindset that he wants to prove haters wrong, prove people that think he's washed wrong. Whatever it may be, the rest looks like it took a good toll on him. I don't think he was injured to begin with, but rest is never a bad thing when, you know, when you're a high usage player. Um, It definitely hasn't been entertaining to watch Philadelphia because they they slowed the game down a lot between Harden and Embiid uh, against the Knicks. Harden had 10 attempts and Embiid had what like 27. I I don't know, a lot, the most of his career, actually. and yeah, like we like Abe mentioned, these are two of the top three guys probably that attempt free throws a game. Um, other than Giannis, it's it's pretty much Embiid and Harden. So I did have questions about um, Harden's fit coming into Philly, and the same questions that I did have, I still do have, because it's really only been two games, and I'm not really gonna back off my feeling in in the fact that Harden liked to play with bigs that. Can continuously run the floor and and catch setups more so than than the Embiid kind of big. But to Harden's credit, he hasn't had an opportunity to play with any bigs like Embiid in his career. So I think he's attempting to make it work, and we just have to wait and see if it actually does work. I still have the same depth questions when it comes to Philly. I don't think they have much depth at all. I think they traded a good amount of it to us. I would have loved to get Maxi, but. Um, obviously they weren't budgeting on that. And with the Ty Bull situation that, that Brian mentioned, I think this is weird. I think maybe Tobias is more of a of a guy that can set Ty Bull back more so than like Harden would because Ty Bull, like we know, he's he has his problems offensively. At times right. he can be inept offensively. And in Harden's first two games, he's posted 11 points on four of seven shooting, one three. And against the Knicks um, yesterday, eight points on on four of six shooting, missing both his threes. And this may not seem like a lot, but I, I'm a tie ball owner in fantasy. And it, it, it's definitely a different look. He's getting easier looks playing off of James Harden. And, and that's important for a player like him because he's more what you would see as a hustle player who gets hustle baskets and may hit the occasional open three. So I think hard, the Harden acquisition benefits Bo, Um, but it'll be more beneficial to, to Matisse when, or if they do get rid of Tobias in the offseason or anything like that. As far as what I've seen so far, I do need to see more Philly, you know, I, I need to see more of them playing to make an accurate prediction as far as playoffs go. But I don't think they have the depth, and I think they're pretty one-dimensional in terms of what they're trying to accomplish on the floor to make a playoff run when the game slowed down more. So I do think it was um a good acquisition in the now. But the problem is they need to win in, in a window of what two years maybe maybe two to three years.
2: Maybe depending three on, yeah.
1: yeah, what depending on the details of Harden's extension. I mean obviously he'll extend for what maybe four or five years but but in the le- later on parts 37. Yeah so in the later part of that contract that window's pretty much closed. You don't. I don't see a, a older James Harden team winning a championship when prime James Harden teams couldn't couldn't accomplish that. So I do see it as like a two three year window, um, and with. Oh wait, we're we're not talking about Simmons right now. All right, yeah. So, <laughs> Harden, Harden's been Harden's been good since since he's been a Sixer. I don't have much complaints. Um, they're a uh, a division rival of the Nets and also of Abe Celtics, Abe and Brian Celtics. So, you know, we're not really optimistic and and happy about the Sixers being good. But on a basketball level, if he's happy, then that's great because it was becoming miserable, having an unhappy heart in Brooklyn.
2: Yeah, and and I'll add on to the Thibault point that Jabari was countering. I mean, I think that the only issue I have with Thibault, the reason I'm a little pessimistic on is because Philly has kind of been very lukewarm with his development in general, right? I mean, he's a good player. He's great defensively, And I think uh, if he had gone somewhere else, we might have seen more of a trajectory growth in his playing time. Because you look at someone like Zaire Williams in Memphis, he's in a second season, kind of a similar kind of – I mean, obviously, Zaire's a little bit more bulky in his frame, but kind of like a similar idea uh, athleticism-wise. And Zaire's obviously going out on the court 25 minutes a night when asked to. And he's contributing for Memphis along with Desmond Bain and some of their other younger role players that they brought along slowly. So I think with Philly, like you have Tobias Harris at almost 30 million plus a year, you know, what's the plan with him? Are you Are going to move him to power forward so you can play Maddie Ty- uh, T at, uh, at the three because he plays well with Maxie and Harden, which I, I agree with you. That's, that's, that's the best lineup they can throw out there. But defensively, you're going to be hurting. And Embiid's going to be a potential foul trouble guy. And trading Andre Drummond, now you don't have that buffer behind Indeed either. So I, I, that's the part that really concerns me with Philly. Like right now, I would feel more confident with Boston and Brooklyn come playoff time than Philly. And I felt that way five weeks ago, and I still feel that way now.
0: All right, as we begin to wrap up this episode, ladies and gentlemen, for all those who are listening, we are going to give our quick thoughts on the second half of the season. So who are your second-half MVPs? Who are the teams that you're going? The t- player and/or teams that you will focus your eye on in the second half as well, Barry? Then Brian.
1: As far as players, I'll keep it simple. Um, I think, I think the player we just spoke about is the player I will have my eye on the most, which is James Harden, because he's had an up and down first half of the season with the Nets. So to see how he finishes up the second half of the season, if he can continue the strong play that he's had in his first two games with Philly um, will be something that I'm looking to see. Um, I don't expect him to to be what he was in those first two games every night, but just to see if he can look more comfortable in the role that they have, you know, for him there. Like, as you guys know, he's playing with, um, or playing for Dara Mori again, who's pretty much gotten the best out of Harden uh, throughout the duration of his career. So. He's the player that I have my eyes on in the second half of the season. As far as the team that I have my eye on, (laughs) I wanted to say Brooklyn because Brooklyn currently sits in the eighth place in, in the Eastern Conference, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, eighth place in the Eastern Conference with 21 games, I believe, to go. And the problem is Kyrie's only eligible for maybe seven or eight of those remaining games. So like I said we need KD to return. We signed um Dragic for depth. He's been, you know, decent in the in the one game that we got to see him so far. But I have expectations that Brooklyn doesn't want to sit in a playing spot that they want to move up and at least compete for the 6th spot if possible. But I don't know how much they view seating as a thing right now. So I just I'm just interested in in Brooklyn's last few games in in their second half of the season. I can't necessarily call them a, a, a second half MVP, but I think they should be looking to to close out winning more so than losing. Um, and not even though you don't want to focus too much on seed ins that, you know, you want to win games and build chemistry and, and, and change the atmosphere, which they said changed immediately after the Harden trade, but to further change the atmosphere. So I'll say the Nets is my team that I'm, you know, watching extra hard as far as the second half, and James Harding on Philly is the player that I'm I'm putting my my sights on.
2: Yeah, James Harden the most certainly will be one to watch out for. I think someone to really, really look out for, even though this guy's not really on a team that's necessarily contending. Let's keep in mind that the trade, I was I was a little bit disrespectful about this trade a couple of weeks ago in my last appearance on the podcast. So I kind of have to a little bit apologize to C.J. McCollum and the Pelicans because, I mean, I'm just thinking to myself, this is a trade that's going to be, they're going to look back years from now and it's going to be the one that really held them back. You know, the real one that really leads to the Ingram-Williamson departure because they're just going for an older guy just to say they had a star player. But C.J., balls. Now, I know the play – 28 points in a near triple-double against the Lakers may not be impressive these days, but like let's be honest, CJ came the ball, and for New Orleans, that might be the one that kind of catapults them a little bit in that playoff run a little bit, because they're in that little playoff, uh, uh, that little 14 playoff right now, that play-in tournament, so I mean you know they could probably win that out if they play the way they're game- going it's just now what do you do with Zion? now you, what do you do with Zion Williamson at that point with CJ McCollum so if he keeps playing the way he's playing it's obvious like you know Dame and CJ needed each other in those big playoff games like it would pretty much toss it off one aside like Dame would go off CJ would go off and Ingram is every bit as good at capable of a scorer as those two ha- have turned out to be you know, once we get, once we see Ingram continue to develop in his prime and he continues to be much more of an assertive scorer on the offensive end. So I think with New Orleans a little bit, now they have a little bit of a veteran. I think they have someone to rally around and it might be easier if they can somehow rectify that Zion situation. Uh, I don't think, I don't know how they can, but if they can rectify that and get CJ on the court uh, and get Ingram out there and And I don't know, they might, they might have something there, but at the the same time, I have zero faith in that organization.
1: Yeah. I was just about to say, I have pretty much the same amount as faith in that organization as Brian does, but it's a good point to bring up because we, we spoke about um, how bad the Lakers have been and how unserious they're taking basketball. Not only did they lose to the Pelicans last night, but they lost to the team directly behind them in, in seating. Um, and ingram
2: hit a few buckets on lebron too let's keep that in <laughs> mind no, no i mean like listen ingram i think the the thing and we talked about in this podcast i think riley and i had this back and forth i remember this is that brandon Ingram's the kind of guy where if you know he when you know we some you don't know them personally obviously as athletes but like uh-huh. being around sports radio sometimes when you're around certain guys you can kind of tell who who's more introverted and who's more extroverted Ingram gives me like, not Brock Lesnar type introverted vibes, but like, he definitely seems like the kind of guy that wants to be in his own space. Mm -hmm. And if he's someone that's in a public space and is being social, that's okay. But anything else is a little overwhelming to him. And a market like New York or LA or Boston, Philly, even a a market like Dallas, or Houston might be a little overwhelming for someone like Ingram. I mean, he went to Duke and he struggled his first month at Duke. I remember this very vividly. And it would be baskets that you know he has the game for. I mean, you would see him make the same dribble move over and over again. He shoots mid-range jump shots, whatever. And then you would you would see Luke Kennard taking second, you know, game, you know, shots with two two minutes left in the shock, two minutes left in the game, where Ingram should be getting the ball in those situations. So I think because Ingram comes off a little passive, people have kind of slept on him a little bit, and and I, I admit that myself. But I think now playing with someone like C.J. McCollum, Ingram can actually. You know, just worry about cutting to the basket and creating easier chances for himself. And this is where I think the next development in Ingram's game is where Zion fits in. And that's both cJ and Brandon as passes, right? is creating opportunities for not just Zion, but other players but that's you know, that's players that's, that's
1: the that's the next level of the Pelicans becoming a better team is if you but this trade If makes you sense. intend on putting cJ yeah. as a as a future cornerstone. um he needs to be the point guard until were proven otherwise as far as their roster goes with their other guards or shooting guards. Um he needs to be the 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 main ball handler. And with Devontae Graham being bench, he he pretty much has been that. Um so like I said with 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 the Lakers recently losing to the team right behind them in the Pelicans, like Abe said in the rest of their schedule, they're playing the Clippers who's the team right above them soon
2: the pelicans
1: (laughs) has a a favorable situation They're they're pretty much tied with portland but they're on the uptrend and portland's on a downtrend portland is not going to get Nurkic back until pretty much the end of the season and
2: keep in mind no naz little no no naz if if they had naz little and simmons and i think they would have made a smaller move to try to stay competitive like maybe like the clippers kind of just like stay the course and then see how healthy lillard is in the postseason but I think after Naslittle's injury, they're just like, okay, we'll just tank and and just if, redeem if, ourselves. Yeah. If
1: you're the Pelicans, you're not even looking back at the Blazers, really. You're looking back at the Spurs yeah. because it's the Spurs. It's a pop team. The Spurs are interesting. Um, De'Ante Murray. Murray. You have all these young pieces and stuff. You're looking back at them. And, and that's pretty much it as as far as teams behind them goes because the Kings are terrible. And even the Kings are like three games behind the Spurs. So it, it, you really, only have, team, trade you really only have one
2: team. You really only have one team on your back,
1: guy. which is which is San Antonio, and and you're already in the play-in. So you can you can try to move up the play-in and 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 take um, the Lakers spot, which would have them at what the temp seat is the last spot in the play-in, right? Right, so, right. I mean, so, I think
2: the Pelicans can get to the eighth, or even actually, they I, could probably get to that eighth spot. I don't think that's impossible. No, I think
1: they cap out at nine because if you look at the eight, the Clippers have the eighth spot now, right? If if you think the Clippers keep doing what they're doing, that means they pass up, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves, which um, as far as rosters and stuff go, isn't supposed to happen, but it can happen. But if the if the Wolves drop below the Clippers, I don't think they're going to let the Lakers and the Pelicans pass them up. You still got Ed Edwards and Kat. Patrick Beverly and them guys out there—they're—they're they're pretty aware of their situation. Yeah, they definitely. Um, Pat Bev is gonna have a lot to say. He's—he's—he's not—he's not allowing that. He—he he knows the Clippers are, <laughs> are an intense team. Yeah. Pat Bev went to a Clippers game the other day, so he still has love for the Clippers. So I don't nah. think that surprised them too much. But he ain't trying to let the Lakers and Pelicans come, nah, come and get he, him. So. Definitely,
0: he definitely not trying to help the Lakers at all. Um, yeah. That being said, gentlemen, I'll quickly share my thoughts and so then we'll head, head out of here. Um, In terms of player that I'm looking forward to to continue watching the second, excuse me, to continue watching the second half, it is Time Lord. As far as team I'm paying attention to uh, to continue the second half, it is the Celtics. I mean, everything Celtics, but realistically, I'm actually looking at, um, believe it or not, I'm actually looking at the Trailblazers. I want to see how they close out the second half. Because they're also right in that um play and tournament conversation, as you guys had mentioned too. Um they they have a chance. And given the moves that they made, it really will speak to what is their current mindset. You know, what is their mindset of the future more so, um depending on how they close out this season.
1: Guys, it's been it's been Wait, 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 wait. Right before it's not even gonna take a minute. I just got to alert per Sam Amick that there's a strong sense what we talked about earlier that Jamal Murray and MPJ will both be back on the roster in time for playoffs. Strong sense that they'll both be back on the that roster in time help. for playoffs. So that's so that was the scenario, that's pretty much was a fully healthy Denver Nuggets team, which so we'll, then, we'll yeah. further elaborate on the next quick, episode.
0: Real quick, it's just yes or no. Mm-hmm. MPJ, Jamal Murray, back for playoffs. Everything stays the same. Denver versus Memphis. In that first
1: round, who wins? I'm still taking Memphis because I have not seen Jamal Murray in a year
2: mm-hmm. and
1: change, and MPJ is MPJ. Like, mm-hmm. you, he has upside, but he has downside also defensively that Memphis can attempt to expose with a Jaren Jackson Jr. or something like that, depending on if he's at the floor. So just just – we've seen a large size of Memphis, a large sample size of Memphis. I know they're young, but um, I would take – if if MPJ and Jamal Murray returned towards the end of the season, I would take a Memphis. I don't mm-hmm. think, you know, things are just a plug and play kind of thing, but what do you got to say, Brian?
2: No, I mean, it was the situation that I was kind of referring to kind of, you know, get them in the playoffs, get them healthy in the playoffs, get them playing 15, 20 minutes, get your eight, nine man rotation, ready to go. And, and, and hope Denver can make a run. I mean, I think they're, best suited for this now if they can get michael porter jr comfortable by the end of march and they can get murray back by if they can get murray a couple of regular season games just to kind of get his feet wet a little bit kind of what indiana did with paul george's injury despite the fact i think indiana missed the playoffs that year just kind of get him the last seven games of that regular season just to kind of let him go out and play get confident again even michael jordan had his long injury in 1986 before he went wild against the celtics in the playoffs that round he came back from I think uh, he was it was a, a leg injury I believe and he was out pretty much the majority of the season sixty games and he played the last nine games of that regular season he was amazing so I mean for some players Jamal all Murray, you need yeah I mean if Jamal Murray's in shape and he's playing the way he was playing a couple of years ago in the playoffs uh, you know sky's the limit for Denver I mean I I and I, I say sky's the limit I mean literally sky's the limit like they can easily pull a Toronto a couple of years ago and just go on a run and win. It. It
0: wouldn't surprise me. So you heard it here first. It's been nice hanging out with y'all. Happy Tuesday. Be on the lookout for all new episodes of Full Court Press later in the week. It's been good. That March Madness coming in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Take care, y'all. Peace, y'all.